You're listening to the Fiber Trainers Podcast, Season 4, Episode 3, published on September 19, 2022. This episode, we'll be talking to Bill Dalpy about a book he published called After the Bell Rings. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and sit back and relax for this week's podcast. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Fireman Trainers Association. Visit their website at FTA Protect and learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. One of the things I like about their coverage most is free certificate of insurance for all the ranges that I visit during the year to teach at. This episode is also brought to you by the team at Mountain Man Medical. Responsible fire instructors have trauma medical gear on the range and are trained to use it. Mountain Man Medical provides the highest quality name brand medical gear on the market at a guaranteed lowest price. Check out the Wind River Kit, especially designed for firearm instructors to have at the range. The Yellowstone is perfect to have on your belt or in your bag anywhere you go. Learn more at mountainmanmedical.com and scroll to the bottom and click on available discounts to learn how fire instructors can save 15% off the already guaranteed lowest prices on the market. And don't forget to click on the training link to take the emergency trauma response video course for free. Get the right gear and the right training at the best price anywhere on mountainmanmedical.com. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm strike in America that dedicates time and energy in making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by Bill Dalpy from Patriot Firearm School. Thanks for joining us, Bill. Oh, you bet, Rob. I really appreciate you having me on again. Uh, not a problem at all. And uh, as we start off seasons four, I thought it would be really good to go along, have you back on and talk about a book that you published a few years ago, and then also, um, you know, some uh future uh, prospects you were talking about about you know another book for it so but before we jump into that for those that haven't uh listened to your other episode can you give us a little bit of your background uh sure i'm uh i own patriot farm school and defense here in massachusetts and we offer everything from licensing classes to awareness classes um, defensive shooting and, and everything in between so we're we're a full service school to uh train fellow you know, citizens, how to effectively defend themselves and not just with a firearm. Yep. Very, very, very cool when it come, comes to that. And uh, having a complete package is definitely uh, something that's that's good. Well, hey, um, kind of let in. We were talking about the uh, book that you self-published on Amazon called After the Bell Rings. Can you tell us what kind of drove you to uh, want to self-publish this book? <laughs> Sure. I'll keep the story short ish. (laughs) So back, um, I'd say about five years ago, we had a 15 year old boy here in my small town, you know, 13,000 people, very, very small town, um, get abducted 15 year old boy. And and that bothered me At, at 15 years old. You should, my opinion at the time, you should definitely have the knowledge, um, to prevent yourself from, from, being succumbed to that, that type of, uh, I call it abduction. He was lured into a van. Um, and it, and it turns out it was over drugs. All right. Um, mm-hmm. but that bothered me to my core. It's like, how, how can a 15 year old boy, um, really be that vulnerable? So what I did was I approached the school system. I had set up a meeting with the superintendent, of the schools. And at the time I was teaching the NRA, uh, um, refused to be a victim. So I'm, I'm thinking, well, that, that's a great segue, uh, into this situation awareness, um, you know, realm for, for kids, even though 
the full curriculum may not be geared towards kids, but certainly there's a portion over that could. So that that was my you know intention going to to the school district. So I brought a couple student packets, a couple promotional uh, leaflets or pamphlets, and sitting across from the superintendent and the assistant superintendent, and kind of pitching him my idea of we won't do the full program, but maybe some of the program. And he's rifling through the student packet and he's getting excited, like really excited. He goes, oh, we can include this in our criminal justice program and blah, 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 blah. So I'm I'm really getting amped about this. And I say, look, I'll do it pro bono. And I know for certain that I can get the student packets for no cost, right? From the NRA. Mm-hmm. And and he's like, I th- I'm thinking this is a done deal. I'm really excited helping the youth because I'm heavily involved in the youth and in my community. And then this assistant superintendent flipped over the promotional pamphlet. And Rob tells tell me what she sees. She sees National Rifle Association on the back of the pamphlet in small print. She, she sees <laughs> NRA, mm-hmm. and she goes, "Ooh!" She goes, I-, "I don't think the parents will like this." And I'm like, oh, no, they'll like it. We're like, we're teaching their kids like valuable, valuable skills. And she goes, no, I don't think this program's for us. And the superintendent kind of like pushed the packet towards me like a quarter inch. Like that's kind of like the tail wagging the dog, right? He's supposed to be in charge. And I was so taken aback from that, like in their office, it must have been like a deer in the headlights. And I had to swallow my, I don't know, anger, I guess, and just professionally say, well, look, hang on to the packet, read it over, and and maybe we can uh, connect in a week. I left there, Rob, sat in my car, and I I literally had tears in my eyes, and I was shaken with adrenaline. It's like, how dare they, um, because they seen the NRA, say, oh, this program's not for us. I mean, just, just such... Um, ignorance. And, they like the co- that, they like they like everything in between the covers. They see usefulness for it, but as soon as they see something they don't like, it's like nope, we we can't we can't be promoting anything like this. Exactly that that anger that that drove the writing in this book. And, and when I say it drove me, I didn't stop. Every night, you know, after after my day job or training or whatever, I I banged on my laptop to like midnight to, to, till it was done. Um, that that's what fueled the writing in this book. And, and the title of it is after, um, after the bell rings, giving kids the tools they need to stay safe. So when they're not around mom or dad or guardians or aunts and uncles, you know what, you know, they own their own personal safety, right? So that, so that was the genesis of the book. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Well, I will, I will say this just a little segue on that is I've had a college and a city have the exact same reaction you've had you've had on that um port and um i will not understand why they put politics in front of safety but even though they uh, they would acknowledge that it's a very good program educational and that there is no promotion of you know any kind of uh, political ideas uh just because it says nra on it they did not want to, you know, take it any further. Which, uh, of course, they didn't have an alternative. But that's uh, beside the point. Yeah, it's just amazing to me, and, and and you know that that's still out there, you know. So, update on that. I have we have a new superintendent, <clears throat> and he he's really a practical guy, like I am. And I have a meeting with him 
on a couple of weeks and I gave him a, him and the assistant superintendent copy of my book and they're pretty excited about it. So I think, you know, I, I think it has another shot um, at being in the school system. Yeah. Good. Well, let me ask you this. One of the things uh, talked about in the intro was how you self-published this book. And I mm-hmm. think myself included and probably other listeners that are out there, um, you know, we've got, you know, maybe, you know, some ideas that we've, uh, you know, have in our heads and such. And some of us maybe have written some articles on the website uh, from time to time. But how do you go about um, publishing uh, your own uh, book when it comes to Amazon? Yeah. So I had no clue how to do this. So, you know, I went online research. I think I went through a company called smart press at the beginning and, and they kind of helped me with the format of it. You know, it was a word document, but they helped me set up the margins. You know, I told them what size book I wanted and then it just, it just banging it out, typing it out. And then for the images, uh, I went on, um, uh, the name escapes me there. Um, I stock video or I stock mm-hmm. photos, and you pay a certain amount and it's royalty free uh, images. That's what I use for a lot of them. Although the cover on the back cover, I designed myself and then that's it. And then, you know, when, when you publish it yourself, it's a little different. There's no, um, you know, you should get an ISBN number. Like if you're going to sell it in stores, um, you need to get an ISBN number, which is mm-hmm. pretty easy to get uh, with the barcode. Currently right now, I'm not using that. I, I took it right off in my, in my reprint I did, um, a few months ago, I just took that right off. Um, and you can sell books that way. It's no big deal. You know, it, it's fine. And then you can get digital copies. I think I paid I don't know, a few hundred bucks and there's companies that will turn your book into, into like digital, like for, um, um, Kindles and things like that. And that, that's where it's at online, um, through Amazon. It's like for the Kindle. Mm-hmm. And then the hard paperbacks, I'm just selling through through my website for now. I uh, really haven't taken it to any other level than that. Um, but it, it is pretty easy. I mean, I encourage anyone who has any ideas like that, who want, want you know, to create some, you know, book on any topic, do it, right? Do it. Yeah, absolutely do it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as far as getting published or finding some publisher that wants to, you know, take on a book that I, you know, I don't think I'm that caliber, uh, for sure. Um, maybe someday, but, um, I, I don't know how that works. Although I know a number of people who are successful authors who are, you know, have an agent. And so perhaps if I ever reach that time, you know, that point, <laughs> I would, uh, reference them. Is there a minimum number of pages that Amazon requires for your book in order to publish on it? I don't think so. My mine's a short read. It's like 115 pages. So I, I don't think so, Rob. Yeah. I don't okay. think so. Well, that's uh kind of, kind of interesting because like I said, I think, uh, myself included several different topics, several different things that could be interesting to publish on and, yeah, the biggest thing's editing. Like I, you know, I'm, I, I can bang out an idea that's for sure, but you really need someone to, to edit it. Like for instance, the book is designed for like eighth grade, it, it, you know? So those of you, if you, if you're going to order the book, it, it's meant for an eighth grader. So I had a couple friends who are, um, you know, kind of editors on the side, if you will, I mm-hmm. don't do it professionally, but they're very good at it. And they were like taking words out and dropping some phraseology because I told them I want this for an eighth grader. 
Um, so that's what they did uh, for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the way this book, my book's designed, it's designed for really parents to get and to read it and then to give it to their child to say, okay, little Johnny, a little Susie read pages, you know, one through 15, and then let's discuss it, you know, at the kitchen table per se, you know, because the, the things they learn in there, they can apply directly to their own, um, you know, life or schedule or, you know, and that, that's what it was always meant to be a dialogue between parents and kids. Yeah. What's the, I guess what, what you said you were talking about written at the eighth grade level, but, uh, do you think it'd be apply for younger kids? You know, that were in grade school. Yeah. It depends on maturity. You know, really, I, I know a friend who gave it to his 11 year old, uh, 10 year old, and she's very mature. And, you know, he kind of proves through some of the, the stories because what it is, is you get some intellectual, intellectual knowledge at the beginning. And then there's a bunch of stories that, you know, we kind of debrief at the end. And some of those stories may not be, are not suitable for say, you know, nine-year-old, 10-year-old. So I, I strongly urge parents to kind of thumb through the stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What's well, uh kind of interesting what's the upper age limit on it would you say is it appropriate well, for somebody in high school i've had i've had some buddies read it and say man i learned a lot from that book and they're like in their 40s <laughs> okay so. maybe maybe it's maybe it's college and beyond <laughs> uh, but that that's kind of like my next book that that um probably 30 percent done with um it, it, it it's i always meant to have a volume two so that there's a volume two and, and it is more for the um, young adult who is going off for the first time, right? So, you know, maybe, you know, 17 to, you know, and beyond. Yeah. Gets into some, you know, pretty adult um, topics. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, any other stories that you can share with our audience? Kind of give an example of what you, uh, what the, they'll be reading in the book. Uh, yeah. So it goes, it, it ranges from like being home alone, right? The do's and don'ts for not being home alone. Cause a lot of kids are left home alone to don't leave a drink somewhere because someone can throw something in it. Right. So that that's one of the stories. And, and there's just a bunch of, bunch of other stories. I think there's 12 stories in all in there. Um, yeah. E- even being brave to speak up to police, you know, th- th- there's a bunch of stories in there that take what they learn from the beginning and we apply it. And then there's a Monday morning quarterback type debrief at the end. You know, what could have Johnny done different? You know, how did he use the trust ring? How did they use the color codes awareness and um, and so on and so forth? So so that the kids can truly learn from the stories and hopefully like apply it to their lives. Like one big story in there is, uh, going to the prom, right. Mm-hmm. Cause that, cause that, that's a, that's a big thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, don't get in a car with someone that's been drinking and, and, you know, here's the ramifications that can happen. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Well, the good thing is these days, I think a lot of, uh, kids at least from what, or from around me are getting, uh, limousines and such, um, instead of driving themselves. But at the same time, uh, you definitely don't want to be around a bunch of, uh, underage drinkers. Cause that brings on additional problems, uh, no matter what, you know, yep. besides just the drinking and driving side of things. Yep. For sure. For sure. For sure. Do you, co- do you cover, uh, drugs and such, uh, in the book? 
A little bit, tiny bit. Yeah. It's, it's not so much a, you know, don't morality thing, like don't do drugs and, but yeah, there, there's some of that in there. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Yeah. What are some other topics that you go through in the book? Um, again, it, a lot of it's geared towards younger kids. So, you know, being home alone, don't trust anyone who comes to the door right nowadays, you know, give, give me a hundred bucks and I can look like anyone at the front door, UPS driver, you know, utility driver, um, things like that. Even just general awareness. Like I, I, I trademark a thing called the trust ring mm -hmm. and how you place your trust with certain people. Right. And it, and it's shaped like a ring with, with, with colors on it. So, cause I think kids associate you know, with shapes and colors easier, you know, it's a nice graphic for, for the visual learner. Right. And, um, you know, just because you meet someone doesn't mean they're your friend. Right. And we get into like coaches and scout leaders and, you know, they're, they're not your friends, right. They are adults. And, you know, you, you don't give, you know, you don't give a scout leader your phone number. You're right. Without parents being, well, you're involved in scouts. So you know how that goes mm -hmm. anyway, but you know, even with coaches, right. And don't be left alone with a coach, right. It, it, mm -hmm. It's so things like that. We really get into a lot about that and, and topics like, you know, when, when you're outside and you're jogging or running or whatever, don't have your earbuds in your ear, right. Walking on the side of the road, right. You can't hear cars coming. So yeah. yeah. Well, we've, we've had a few situations uh, around us to where people have been hit by trains because they've had the earbuds in. Oh boy. That's, that's yeah. disgusting. My gosh. And the yeah. thing about it is you think about it, you know, the train blows its whistle and, and such, which are pretty loud. You know, if you've ever been around one, uh, close by, but at the same time, when you're listening to something, you're not, um, paying attention to what's going on around you. You've got auditory exclusion, listening to the music. And yep. unfortunately, several of these people have gotten hit. And if you got, you know, I don't know, 10,000 ton train rolling down the tracks, I mean, one person standing there isn't going to do anything to it at all, but it's going right. to do a whole heck of a lot of damage to you. Yeah. And, and the idea is just to put these thoughts in kids' heads and to really make them realize, because Rob, there comes an age with kids where they have to own their own personal safety. When they're not around mom and dad, they're at but friend's house, they're at band, they're, you know, you know that age when, when they're starting to go on their own, they need to own their own personal safety. And part of the problem is like a, a big book that I recommend to the adults is called um, uh, the gift of fear by Gavin DeBecker. Right. Yep. I, mm -hmm. I still, that book's over 20 years old. That is still number one on my reading list. And a book that I highly recommend to every parent is protecting the gift of fear, you know, and that's another great book. And that's telling parents, Hey, look, get your kid out of this bubble. Like you can't, you know, as parents, we want to protect our kids. We want to put them in this bubble, protect them from the evils that are out there. But to me, there comes a certain age where you're, you, you, you have to give them some responsibility. Now you have to give them some awareness of that. Cause to me, it gives them a, a big disservice when they go out in the world themselves and they think, you know, they can trust everyone. And it's just not the case. Um, you know, like for instance, like we, you know, when I was a kid, it was always don't talk to strangers. Don't talk ever talk to strangers. Well, what if little Johnny, you know, eight years old is lost and mm -hmm. you're telling him don't talk to strangers, right? That's, right. that's not good. Co what counterproductive. you need to teach Johnny is what his home address is, what your phone numbers are. <clears throat> and to 
absolutely talk to a stranger. Now, it can matter who you talk to. So what Gavin DeBecca speaks of in protecting the gift of fear is not necessarily going to a police officer, but go to a mom, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a a woman with kids, because they're more apt to not stop until the parents or guardians are found. Right. So so that type of thing. And that, that my book gets into some of that, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and it's and it's important because if you know if you've ever had kids or you, you know, people that have gone away to college and it's their it's those kids first time away from home, first time uh, on their own type of thing, um, there could be some there's some crazy stories. I mean, yeah, there's crazy college parties, but at the same time, just like you were talking about, you know, don't set your drinks down, you know, without, you know, somebody watching them, you know, be, be careful, you know, how, how, you know, what shape you're in when you're walking back to the dorm, uh, you know, all those, all those types of, uh, activities that, you know, how, you know, kids or young adults, you know, they're 18, if they haven't gone along and thought about it before, and they're just taking the leisurely stroll across campus and they don't realize just how many time campus attacks happen. Um, it could be a right. very, uh, eye-opening, uh, forum when something does happen, uh, the university of Cincinnati, where I'm at, it is, uh, it's real nice. I don't know how many acres it is, but it's very large campus, but there's only one challenge with it. The campus is, is a hundred percent open and people cut through it from the neighborhoods on both sides as they're going from one place to the next. That means that just because you're walking through campus doesn't mean that it's exclusive just to the college students. You're, uh, you are exposed to people in the neighborhood, both good people and also the criminal minded, which could be going along looking to take advantage of you from any different, uh, any different, uh, point, you know, they might want your cell phone, your laptop, uh, something along those lines. And if you're not thinking about that, you could be sitting there with your earbuds in with your, you know, $1,500 iPhone. And all of a sudden somebody's taken away from you. And you're, it's like, uh, was that one guy, but he didn't look like he was a college student. Well, guess what? You just got, you just got, uh, robbed. Right. Right. I, I teach a class called, uh, um, developing your own personal protection plan for teens. And it, and it's for young women who are going off for the first time, whether to school or, or wherever. And teenage girls, from my experience, are very difficult to get their attention, right? They're, you know, their parents are making them go here and they don't want to be there. So mm-hmm. how I start this class off, Rob, is I show a video of a young woman being physically assaulted. You know, after I say hi, I hit play and I don't say a word. And then I turn and look at him. Now it's not graphic. She's not being raped. It's just being physically assaulted. And I turn and look at him and all their mouths are open. They can't believe I showed this video. And I quietly say, this is why you're here. This is why you're here to prevent this. And I at least have their attention for about an hour after that. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, it, it's something where it, it just, you know, this term situational awareness is, is just a term and we need to define what it means in a very real way to, to the youth, right? That applies mm-hmm. to their everyday life. And in part of my new book, I absolutely cover traveling abroad because that's a big thing, right? Usually in their sophomore year, they can, they can go to, you know, Rome, they can wherever, uh, Spain. And a buddy of mine was telling me this story just um, not too long ago. He says they were traveling abroad. They went there and 
his daughter is very much situation aware. She, she's very in tune and the, her friends were just running off places and, and not being careful and, you know, and, and people like staring at them and it's like, yeah, you're drawing attention to yourself, not, not being aware. And when you're in a foreign country, boy, you're, you're more susceptible, especially a young woman, right? We know, you know, Rob, that that's the most targeted demographic out there. Mm-hmm. is young women. And we don't know what motivates these people, right? Could be sexual, could be like you said, drugs or money, or we just don't know, you know, what's motivating this evil. So, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, interesting. One of the, one of the articles I've re- recently written has about has been around uh, ride shares. Now there's been a lot mm-hmm. of written in the last couple of years about making sure you get in the right vehicle, verifying the driver, license, verifying license plate numbers, different things like that. But we've had a situation here in Cincinnati recently to where a group of people, a couple, I should say, was waiting for an Uber on the side of us uh, on a busy street corner, busy street corner, not in dark alley or anything else. And they got attacked by 11 people just because they were standing there. And they got 11, a, 11, 11 people. people. They got, and this is a very public space and such. They caught one out of 11 people at the time I wrote the article, but it, it points out in my article, I point out the need not only to go along, sit there and watch your phone to make sure, okay, I'm looking for a, you know, silver Camry pulling up, you know, a license plate, this, and the guy looks like this, but also go along and, and see what's going on around you. Because if you're not aware of what's going on around you, Somebody can sneak up behind you. Somebody can go along and, you know, again, steal your phone, push you into traffic, beat you up, do different things along those lines. And it just is a horrible way to end a, end an evening. And that's where, you know, go along, go back into the establishment and wait until the driver says I'm out front. And then you can walk out and say, oh, there's, there's a silver Camry matches the license plate number. There's the driver versus being out there. If it's kind of questionable to where it's like, uh, you know, all of a sudden a fight breaks out and you get pulled into it. It just is uh, not the way to end a fun evening. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that, that term head on a swivel, right? I mean, you always want to, you know, observe, right? We have no choice, but to observe through our five senses, but that intuition too, you know, mm-hmm. uh, trust yeah. it. And yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta look around. Nothing drives me crazier than seeing people out in public with their head in their phone and completely unaware of their surroundings. I once witnessed a woman, I tell this one of my classes where I, w- I was waiting for my wife and I'm in this um, uh, shopping mall, a parking lot. And I pull up and I'm just driving through and I witnessed this woman walking at least 30 yards, right? hundred feet cross a, in the middle of a busy parking lot with a head in her phone. Didn't look up once. Didn't walking behind cars. I got within 15 feet of her with my car. She didn't even look at me. I, I was just taken aback by that. It's just, it's just unreal. Uh, just mm-hmm. unreal. How and oblivious you, some people can be. And you were in a car, but you know, who could have, uh, you know, pulled up alongside of her, pulled her into a van who could have came up and stolen her phone. You know, who could have went along, stolen her purse. I mean, all these kind of different things that could, you know, very quickly go on because they, they didn't go along, notice them from 30 or 40 feet away. They didn't notice it until that you actually put hands on them. And then all of a sudden, like, where'd you come from and who else is with you type of thing. You're at a big disadvantage at that point. Or it could be as something as simple as someone's backing up 
mm-hmm. they don't see you, right? Oh, yeah. And that's why we teach people, don't walk right next to cars. Give yourself that reactionary gap and look at those lights. You know, if you see those white lights or reverse lights, you know, stop, get out of the way. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, because in, even in those situations, uh, you know, there's nothing nefarious about it, but you're going right. to you're, you're gonna get hurt. I mean, having right. a you know five thousand par pound car bump you, you know, could go along and break your leg, could knock you down to the ground, you know, at a minimum. But then you hope that it stops. Also, you yeah. know, if the driver's not being aware, they could potentially roll right over top of you. And again, Absolutely. a five thousand pound vehicle would uh, would leave a mark on you, to say yeah. the least, if it rolled yeah. over top of you. It's only a flesh wound. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder who get that reference. <laughs> Uh, yeah the older crowd well the younger crowd may not uh, uh, but a uh, funny tangent on that one i actually had an instructor class one time and they did not get that reference yeah oh they were, they were me, young t- young 20s and it's like really really you've I, never heard that before it's like no where's it from <laughs> in my licensing classes i show a picture of granny with their old 38 snub nose and and i'm like anyone who this is and no oh, crickets <laughs> Oh, come on. <clears throat> yeah. Um, good things. Well, hey, Bill, got a question for you. We've been asking everybody this uh, season on, but can you recommend a annual event that you think instructors might find useful? <clears throat> oh boy. Um, well, local to me. Um, yeah. Th- it, it didn't happen last year and I'm hoping it happens this year. I'm not sure, but it was in Keene, New Hampshire. And it's called Live Free or Die. And it's a very good event. Um, you know, um, Rob Pincus used to go there and a couple other instructors. And, you know, you can get exposed to different type of learning styles, <clears throat> different curriculum, a bunch of vendors there, you know, um, and it was all for a good cause. So so that's what I would recommend. But truth be told, I'm, I'm not sure they're having it this year. Uh, I'm not sure. But that that's a good event. That's local to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, if somebody's in the New England area there, around New Hampshire, Massachusetts, uh, New York, um, you know, around those areas, maybe they can make it to that. And again, yeah. um, you know, the reason we're asking the question this year is to give instructors a little bit perspective. There might be something near them that they don't necessarily have to go to a national event, but they can right. go to maybe a local event or an event they hadn't heard before and uh, improve their knowledge, improve uh, the education to give their students uh, all the way around. That's yeah. that's what it's all, all about. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I wish some of these national events would would change locations every other year or something. You know, I, I get it's a lot of logistics, but, you know, uh, the four quadrants of the states, you know, maybe I don't know. Mm-hmm. That'd be nice. Yeah, it's uh, no knowing some some of the bigger or some of the national events. Uh, one of the big challenges are when it has anything to do with firearms. A lot of big cities just do not welcome them at all, yeah. and that makes it kind of tough to bounce bounce around, um, to say the least. Yep, for sure. Um, well, Bill, where can people find out the uh, classes you're teaching and uh, the books that you're writing and such? Yeah, so you know the website's really the pinnacle of it all, Patriot firearmschool.com. And if you want to buy a hard copy of the book, it's uh, just go on the shop page and you'll see it there. It's a uh, $15. Um, yeah. And that's, uh, that, that's basically it. I mean, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, but the website's probably the best thing. Patriot firearmschool.com. Yep. Super. And I will include the links in the 
uh, show notes for anybody who would like to go go along and either put, purchase a book or find out more about your training schedule. Yeah, I appreciate that. One thing that um, part of the new book, and actually I'm going to start it with this book really soon, is a kind of like a credential type instructor thing. So if you're a scout leader or a religious education teacher, or an instructor, or anyone, a parent who wants to teach from the After the Bell Rings book, um, you know, there'll be certificates and pins and, you know, discounted prices for, you know, for, for multiple books. So that's something that will be coming out probably in the fall. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, I'd love to really hear when that does come out and uh, we'll, maybe we'll have you back on and we can talk about your instructor program that you've developed. Sounds great. I appreciate <laughs> it, my friend. Sounds good. Well, my friend, you have a good night and thanks everybody for listening. Take care, Rob. Thank you. That's a wrap for this episode. We hope that you will share it with your friends. Do you have a topic you'd like to talk to me about? Know somebody I should interview? Email me your suggestions at FTP at concealedcarry.com. You can also leave us comments on our Facebook page or on our website at firetrainerpodcast.com. On our website, you can also listen to all our episodes of our podcast. Visit our sponsors, especially the Farm Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Establishing your business and getting your training were your first steps. Your next step should be getting liability coverage from the Farm Trainers Association. Remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. We bring this podcast support in the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every farm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy in making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.